Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is episode 225. It's an extra episode. And this week I had uh, the privilege and uh, had a good time interviewing my friends Ryan and Zach. And uh, so I hope you all enjoy this and uh, we'll go ahead on it. Yeah, Joe, we're really excited about this, uh, getting more episodes. Getting Joe, you do a fantastic job at interviewing and uh, really happy to get you on the team uh, doing this role. And uh, I really enjoyed this interview. I uh, learned a lot from them. I, I think they're in it. Kind of a unique spot, but I think that that's fun to look at somebody who's in a situation where they travel a lot and they, and and, uh, and Zach's training a lot, you know. And I think he's got a, a great opportunity ahead of him, and you get all into that during the interview. So that's really cool. So we're talking about this this kind of a bonus show that we have here, and wanting to do things a little differently, and definitely send us some feedback. You could the easiest way probably would be just to message us on our Facebook page and say, hey, how about this for the extra bonus show? But right now we're thinking about doing a tip, give you guys a little grappling tip, and then maybe a little Q&A. And we've got some questions that we've uh, had that we, I think will be fun to bat around. Uh, but the tip, I've got the tip, gentlemen. <laughs> you got the funny. tip, uh, man. Well, I've heard that before. I don't want nothing to do with the tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the rest of it. Oh, man, I was going to go after there. Um, well, there is no rest of it, Joe. <laughs> Just a tip. <laughs> now I'm a little shy of my tip. Okay. Uh, basically, the, the tip I have for you, uh, it, it, think about active toes. And if you're not familiar with that term, um, think of a, a person who's going to start a race. Not not a, a long-distance race, but a sprint. They get down on their get their hands on the ground, and their toes are kind of spring-like. They're, they're on their toes and on their entire foot on their toes and then think about that as somebody who's passing the guard instead of having your foot the top of your foot laying flat on the ground try putting your toes on the mat and having the rest of your foot be kind of up and what happens when you when you have active toes and and i've gotten into a few debates with some people here locally about the value of this and, and i'm all for active toes if your feet could do that because it is a little bit it kind of wears on you a little bit and it's and it, it's kind of like a, a position that's not as relaxing. But you're much harder to sweep if you have active toes. And the simple idea is put your foot flat, put the top of your foot flat on the on the mat, and have somebody push you just with their foot in your chest. And you kind of fall over, you lose your base. Whether you can get up or not, it's different. But if you're active toes, and just your toes are on the mat, and you're like that runner stance, and they push you, you stand up. It doesn't take any effort on your part to stand up. Really, they just push you back to your foot, and you pop up, and it's like, oh, I didn't get swept. I really didn't get closely in swept. And if you watch, let's say you have a great wrestler on the mats with you in your class, and they're trying to pass the guard. Watch their toes. They're using active toes. That's why they're so hard to sweep. They have good balance and other things as well, but those active toes make a big deal when trying to pass the guard. So try to do it. Uh, Think about it. It's a little... Uh, of a burden, you know, it's not a relaxed position like just sitting uh, on the top of your foot. But those active toes make a big deal as far as how hard you are to sweep, how quick you are to react. Do you guys use <laughs> active toes? Do you guys do that, or are you 
like uh, I think most people don't do that because it is difficult to do. And I don't do it all the time. But when I'm grappling hard and I'm serious about things, I use active toes the best I can. You know, I think about that uh, from the guards a great uh, place to think about it, but also from side control. And one of the things that uh, got me really thinking about it was a video I saw. And the uh, guy showing the video got side control with dead toes, you know, the top of his feet's on the floor. And uh, he's putting all the pressure on he can, and he has his opponent start saying the ABCs. And, you know, he's going to A, B, C, D. And then when he puts his toes on the floor and starts driving into the guy, boy, then the guy's struggling to talk, you know, and you can just hear the change in his voice. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to apply pressure, active toes is a key. And, you know, you, you're talking side control. Byron's talking uh, uh, guard passing. I'm thinking of uh, takedowns, you know, standing up. Uh, you know, start you start every every uh, match standing. And, you know, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, as you're getting in your stance, uh, you're up on your toes. Uh, as soon as I'm flat-footed, uh, it's so much easier to take me down. Uh, you know, you just touch my knees, uh, you know, block, and just a little tap, and I'm falling backwards. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at it that, uh, you know, I want to be up on my toes and ready to go. Yeah, that's all. It's all a big deal. And you could, uh, wrestlers have the ability to just look at you and kind of know if you have any wrestling ability. It's because you're not your stance is poor, and and part of that stance is being ready to go. Uh, being on, yeah, <laughs> being and, on your toes. Yeah, there we go. That's a little you know, tip there, gentlemen. When you were talking about active toes, I thought you were going to talk about you know painting your toenails because I know that's something you really enjoy doing. So I'm glad we didn't go go down that path, Byron. <laughs> that's for the different podcasts that we're trying to get started here, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll make sure not to listen to that one. I'll throw in a quick plug for our audio books. Uh, your first year of BJJ or six games for BJJ. If you're new to Jiu-Jitsu, check out your first year of BJJ, eleven ninety nine, and it's kind of like a podcast. It's just all it's all audio, and it's just geared towards getting you through that first year with uh, success and in learning uh, the most you can and avoiding a lot of hurdles that we all just smack into a lot of times. And if you are more experienced, and you, especially if you find yourself kind of in a rut, check out Six Games for BJJ. It's five ninety nine, and uh, and I will give you some games to play while you're actually rolling, and you don't even need to have a cooperative training partner as far as them knowing about it or them even caring if you're playing the games. It just gives you some different focus points to have while you roll and definitely will help you uh, blue belts and purple and brown and black whatever uh, develop the game that you're already playing at a different level and uh, there's things I do and uh, they've helped me a tremendous amount so check out either one of those audiobooks and there'll be links to those in the show notes guaranteed to make your jiu-jitsu better or at least uh, guaranteed to you can listen to him. <laughs> no, it, 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 good. It, Joe, you mentioned that kind of just uh, joking. But if you have, if you get it, and you don't like it, send me an email. You know, I'm not trying to push anything that you don't like. Uh, BJJBreak at gmail.com. I'll be happy to to get with you and, and try to make you happy. Uh, either giving your money back or or uh, figuring out what's wrong with my book. <laughs> but, hey, you know, uh, Byron, the first year of jujitsu, that would make an awesome gift if you're a upper belt. You've been doing jujitsu for a while, and, and you have a friend that just started. Man, buy them the book. It'll do them wonders. That's a cool idea. Yeah, you know, I know when Byron was starting it, he he said it's like the gift that keeps on giving. So definitely check it out. It's like the Jelly of the Month Club, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's better, better than, than Jelly of <laughs> All right, gentlemen. 
Well, with that started off, uh, Joe, kick us off to the interview, my friend. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. I invented a way to train BJJ without a partner. After only a couple of weeks of this training, my cauliflower doubled in size. I complained that my training partner was too rough. Many years ago, I invented a guard pass called the Robin. I named it after the bird. The pass did not seem to have much use until the worm guard became popular. Not only does this robin defeat the worm guard, this bird was also early. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. Hey guys, it's Joe Thomas coming to you this week with our interview. And I have with me Ryan and Zach Gell. And Zach is a young MMA and jiu-jitsu competitor from Canada. Zach, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Zach Gale. I'm from SJC, Saskatchewan, Canada. And I train in Yorkton Martial Arts Training Center, which is 80 miles away from SJC. Um, I've been training for three and a half years, and I really love it. Awesome. For those of us that are not familiar with north of the border where is that in relationship to uh, montana or chicago illinois um it's directly above north dakota so we oh. share the border with north dakota okay yeah. awesome and i have zach's dad with me ryan ryan why don't you give us a short introduction well i'm ryan gale obviously i'm zach's father and probably his number one taxi driver <laughs> Yeah, you guys put in a lot of miles. Zach, you said you're uh, a pretty good bit away from your home gym. Yes. Zach, tell me a little bit about your typical training week, how often you train and where you train at. Well, on Monday, I train at Yorkton. Then Tuesday, I drive two and a half hours to Regina, Saskatchewan, and I train with my MMA coach, Sean Quinn. And then Wednesday is in Yorkton again. And Thursday, I usually do some weight training. And Friday is open mat at Yorkton, Saskatchewan. That's a busy week. Yes, it is. I train around 22 hours a week and 18 hours of driving. So there's a lot of car time in there. What do you do on the car time? Do you do homework? Do you study jujitsu or just kind of shoot the breeze with your dad? Um, Actually, I have a setup with my school where half the day after noon on, I have correspondence classes so I can train more, and that is what I do in the car most of the time. I do those classes, so I'm still keeping up with my other classmates. Awesome. I'm going to say there's a lot of American kids that are going to listen to this and wish they could have that same arrangement. Yeah, it's an awesome arrangement. I'm very happy for my principal to do that for me. It was very appreciated. Nice. Um, Zach, tell us a little bit about your jiu-jitsu style. What kind of game do you like to play? What are your favorite positions and submissions? Well, um, I am quite a horrible dyslexic, so the fundamentals were quite bad. So my style is quite rudimentary, and um, it's an MMA style, so I like to be on top at all times. And if I'm on the bottom, you have to have to sweep or submit. So 
that's the style. I like side control a lot and mount. And chokes are my favorite, any type of chokes. Okay, so if you're MMA style, do you lean more towards uh, rear naked and uh, guillotines? Yes. And less, not, not a lot of collar chokes, then? No, well, yeah, well, in MMA, there's no geese, so you gotta work with what you got. So it's a lot of, yeah, rear naked chokes, guillotines, head and arms. All those type of chokes. And, and when you play in the gi, you play a no gi style, so you don't have to think about yeah, switching back. I really try to, because if you think, oh, I'm going to do a cross choke, then you're in MMA and you're like, oh, can't do that. <laughs> then your brain gets all mixed up. So, yeah, you just got to stick to what you're good at. Exactly. Okay. So, Zach, recently you won an award up at your hometown. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your acceptance speech. Uh, but Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about that award first and what it was for? Well, it was quite an honor. It was an award that we didn't even know he was in the running for. Actually, his his main coach, Mike Forrester of Yorkton Martial Arts, put Zach's name in as a competitor. And it's a provincial-wide award. It was it was going to be for whoever they considered to be the top competitor. And most of the competitors were in different martial arts from Taekwondo to all the other different arts. And Zach was the only jiu-jitsu competitor whose name was put in the running for this. And it was voted on by his peers, so his his other competitors, the competitor gyms, the coaches of these gyms. And like I say, we didn't know Zach's name was in, in the running for this. We didn't even know this word existed, to be honest with you. And then his coach was all excited the one practice and said, guess what? Zach won. And we said, well, won what? He said, an amazing award. And we're like, well, what is it? He is going to be the first ever um, Martial Arts Sports Hall of Fame inductee for being the top competitor. And we're like, wow, that sounds great. He said, yeah, you don't understand how big this is. This is huge. This is huge for Zach. This is huge for our gym. So, yeah, being he's now in the Sports Martial Arts Hall of Fame as the first ever. So that was really cool. So it was quite an honor and quite an exciting evening when he received his plaque and had a speech about him and from his coach, and it was great. It was a very, very good evening. Yes, it was definitely an honor. And as Dad said, I, I didn't even know I was in the running for it. So when, when I was told I won it, I was like, wow, this is a surprise. It was great. Congratulations. Um, so I watched your acceptance speech, and I was impressed by a number of things. But you said that you've competed for a year without scoring a single point yes um i was well i started two months experience in my first tournament and i've always wanted to test myself that's that's been a big part i always go up weight classes i fight adults it doesn't matter there's no point in doing it if you're just in it for your record or whatever so i was like well I'm in jiu-jitsu, I might as well do tournaments. And my first match, I think I got submitted in like 10 seconds, if that, by a flying armbar at that, <laughs> like crazy. But yeah, I always wanted to compete, and it was more about the competition than the wins and losses. But yeah, I, I was, I must have set records with how fast I got submitted and how I never scored a point. But you just got to keep your head up and keep competing. And when I finally won my first match and got my first bronze medal, well, it was like the biggest thing in the world. It was amazing. Awesome. Was there a time in that period where 
you maybe thought you were heading down the wrong road where, I mean, did you ever feel like just pulling the plug on it? Um, you, you know, after every tournament, you're like, well, that was great. You competed, you pushed yourself, but you didn't win. You know, you're like, you just got to tell yourself that if you keep, um, like practicing and competing, you'll get there. And it's building character as you're losing, you're learning how to lose, like, so you can keep competing. It just makes it so you'll have heart when you win. It makes it so much better. Sounds like some people were telling you all the right things. Yes, yep. definitely. So, Ryan, I've had kids compete in other sports, and it can be tough to watch. Tell me a little bit about sitting in the stands um, tournament after tournament with no points. Yeah. yeah, of course. As a parent, you want to see your child be successful. You want to see them be safe. But you also have to support their dream. And my wife, my wife Delphine and I, we knew Zachary. Well, originally he got into this martial arts for the reason of self-defense. And so we knew that was his main goal. That was our main goal was for him to be self-sufficient, be able to protect himself. And Zachary never really had a focus in his life at that point, like a direction. He wasn't a sports-minded kind of kid. He wasn't a team-minded kid. So we, we saw martial arts as a route for him to kind of find himself and build confidence. And when he started training, he was always just training with adults. And of course, this little 118 pound kid was just getting ragdolled and that. But every time he got choked out, he got up, we saw the big smile on his face. We're like, he likes it. So we started being less protective. And then he's like, you know what? I want to try going against kids. Because, of course, adults are way stronger. They're way better. And he said, I want to go on a tournament. And that first tournament, like Zach said, he had just nicely started jiu-jitsu. I think, I think he probably just got his gi at that point. Okay. And like, all right, we'll take you to this tournament. And, of course, we thought, well, he's been working hard and that, so he'll probably do all right. And like Zachary said, like jiu-jitsu is fairly new to us. We, of course, we're martial arts fans. We watch UFC and stuff like that. But... The game of jiu-jitsu was relatively new to us. And when he stood up there, and actually his first opponent was a girl. I'm like, okay, Zach will be stronger than this girl. She flying arm barred him in, like say, 10 seconds. It was probably eight, but whatever. <laughs> and then they're like, okay. And then the rest of the matches, they all went the same. Like he was submitted, and we're like, we don't even, didn't even know what was happening. And he was just getting beat. But he every time he got up and his eyes were big, like, ooh, what was that? But he liked it. And afterwards, we're like, so, are you all right? Yeah. And he's like, well, I don't want that to happen. So he just wanted to train, train, train. We're like, all right. So once he built a little bit of skills, so not going to get flying arm bars, he's like, take me to another tournament. So we drive him, and I'll be honest, as parents, it was tough that first year. It was basically the full year. He never scored a point. He never even came close to winning a match. And as a parent, it, it was tough to watch. Zach was the kid that everyone wanted to face in the tournament because it was basically a bye. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> yeah, but he, every time, even though as the other kid's arm was up, we'd look at Zach and he had that smile on his face and he just loved it. So as a parent, you're going to do what it takes. And we took him to, kept taking him to train so he could eventually get that first win. And he did. So it was great. It was a long road, but we did it because he loved it. Nice. Zach, I'm kind of curious, when you got to that uh, third, fourth tournament, did you feel you were 
progressing and getting closer, or was your first victory like a surprise? Well, you know, as as people say, you're always with yourself, so it's hard to gauge your like growth. So it was almost like a surprise. Like you know, you're getting better, but you don't know. Like you're like, I've been putting in the time, but is it like is it enough? You know, you just keep want to keep training. So yes, I would say, Joe. Yeah, it was definitely a surprise. Nice, but uh, it's been a little bit different since then, correct? Yes, yes, sir. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we know each other because we train part time at the same gym here in Louisiana. Yep. So. Uh, tell me a little bit about your travels, maybe a little bit about the first week you trained here in Louisiana. Um, well, yes. The first time I went into Laros Jiu-Jitsu, which is the gym Joe was talking about, um, I was quite nervous. I did a lot of nervous stretching, like, oh, well, got to stretch this, got to stretch this. Um, it's a tiny gym, and I, you go in there, and it's all big man and very highly skilled. I was quite nervous, to be honest. But it, it's great. They're very skilled, and they're very nice, all of them. Yeah, there's a very uh, hyper-competitive vibe at the yes. gym. So sometimes I'll walk in, I'll look around, and be like, damn it, there's not an easy roll here tonight. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's great. Awesome. So uh, for other 14, 15-year-old kids, because that's kind of an an odd age in jiu-jitsu a lot of gyms have big kids programs with a bunch of eight and ten year olds and they have big adult programs yeah. and then the 14 15 year olds are in the middle what advice do you have for that kid who's just going to the adult class and he's nervous as heck well you just gotta go in there because it's not like they're gonna go and hurt you it's just gonna benefit you because you're gonna be rolling with bigger stronger people and it's gonna make you stronger and when you go to roll with kids your own size, when you've been rolling with adults that are bigger than you, everything's going to feel like, wow, he's not as strong as the people I've been rolling with. And it's just going to benefit you. Ryan, how involved are you in uh, training partner management, uh, competition management? You keep a pretty close eye on that, or you figure Zach's far enough along to look out for himself? I never abandon my role as the father. So you're always looking out for your son. He's chosen this path. He definitely, his ultimate goal is to obviously, he wants to get as far as he can in jiu-jitsu, but jiu-jitsu isn't his end game. His end game is MMA. He's chosen a very dangerous sport, occupation, whatever. So of course, we're going to seek out the best training for him to keep him safe. But his journey to that. It involves danger. And so it's going to be calculated danger. So, of course, anytime we do travel, and our family, we travel a lot. And part of our travels is Zachary can't miss training. He just, that's a big part of his life. He, there's no way, he's never missed a day training in, well, three and a half years now. And so we always seek out gyms wherever we go. So in the unknown gyms where you're just a drop-in, I always tell him, you know what? always pick the colored belts. The higher the, col the, the belt, the more likely it's a controlled opponent. They aren't going to do something out of inexperience that could potentially hurt you. They aren't going to have the ego to submit this new guy. So when it's a new drop-in, I always tell them, you know what, pick the highest colored belt and try to avoid the white belts just for that inexperience risk. So yeah, there is some protection. 
Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, a purple or a brown belt might uh, give you a whooping, but it'll be a safe one. Yes, definitely. Uh, you yeah. you won't leave with a jacked up shoulder. No, yeah. And that's the thing. And he's had some incidents, of course, as you do gym hop, and it's he does do a lot of gym hopping. White belts, there's, a, of course, eagle there as well, because they're new, and they want to prove that they're learning stuff and that. And when you get a kid in there, it's usually, and they're an adult, they can definitely inflict some damage without really realizing the dangers that they're putting this kid in. So, yeah, higher belts is where it's at. And as far as opponents, he's done a few super fights with the Fight to Win program and that. I do kind of, when they put forth, uh, would Zachary like to go against this person or that? As long as it's close to his weight, I'm, at this point, I'm not too worried about Zach. He's proven himself that he can handle just about anything. So as long as the weight is close, it's he'll I'll allow him to do it. Now coming to MMA, definitely I'm going to micromanage a little more just to make sure his route is a safe progression with skills to match his skills. Because there's a lot of scary 35ers out there. Yeah. Zach, you've already done a little bit of um, amateur MMA. Can you tell me about the rule set and tournament style of those tournaments that you've been involved in? Um, Yes, I've been in two light MMA tournaments, which the only thing that makes them light is you wear boxing gloves instead of MMA gloves. And I've had 10 fights in total, and it's awesome because it gets you experience and... You're not going to get cut up, like, with MMA gloves, but you're still going to get, well, I got cauliflower ear from the first tournament I was in because I got beat up pretty good. But it's it's great experience, and jiu-jitsu has saved me in those for sure, especially in the first one. I won two fights out of five fights, and the, I won them both by armbar because when you get a hold of that glove, you can't get it out. And I got that armbar when I was getting ground and pound. <laughs> yeah, that is one advantage to wearing the boxing gloves if you're a jiu-jitsu guy. Um, how long are the matches? You said you did five matches in a day? Yes. Um, I believe they're five minutes, I think. Okay. Five. Yeah, I believe, yeah. It's just like one round in like the UFC but you do five in a day. So, yeah. It's an excellent program. It's in our a neighboring province to us. It's in Alberta. They have more liberal rules as far as it comes to MMA because it's in Saskatchewan there is no amateur mixed martial arts allowed, only professionals. So we have to travel to Alberta. It's a seven and a half hour drive and the promoter there puts it on with the, uh, the thought of growing amateur MMA and that's so it's excellent. The thing is, you show up, everyone shows up, he's like, he's like, I'm having this tournament, it's whoever shows up, and I, I lump the five closest weights together, so Zach, of course, he usually ends up in 145 and under, so of course he's the smallest, because he walks around 138 to 141, depending on the day, and of course these men are all cutting into 45, because... They, some of them will have six, seven, eight amateur fights. Yeah, and they, they walk around at 160 yeah, on a regular yeah. day. For this tournament, it's not so serious, so they don't cut a lot of weight, but they're definitely cutting weight. And okay. Like, if they're big, muscly men in that, and here's our, our little boy going out there with that same smile on his face, yeah. facing these cauliflowered, eared, scarred, tissue face guys. <laughs> and he, like I said, the first tournament... He actually only had one month MMA experience, but Zach being Zach, always wanted to test himself. We're like, all right, kids. And 
he did amazing. And even when he received the dirty beating from some of them, he got up and was like, oh, I loved it. And we're like, okay, kid. Yeah. And he just, he actually did that same tournament just recently. And he had five opponents again, and he was four wins, one loss. So in one year's time, there was a huge improvement, and he he did amazing. Yeah, that that's a good day. Anybody will take four and one yes, for a day, and no injuries. Yeah, and his ears yeah. still look good. So yeah, it was not day. too bad. No. <laughs> awesome. So what what are the uh, rules in Canada, or would you travel to the U.S.? When would he be looking at his first? amateur MMA fight in a cage well like Zachary mentioned his MMA coach is in Regina Queen City Martial Arts his name is Sean Quinn and he's been the pioneer of mixed martial arts in Canada he's I don't know if he's got something like 30 pro fights and he's got quite a camp of fighters active fighters pros and amateurs there he's known as the most active gym in Canada he's got three four five fighters on every card all over Canada all the time. So, of course, there's that atmosphere at the gym to compete, compete. And, of course, Zachary, he's eaten that up, and he wants... He's been asking for fights for a year now from his coach. And, thankfully, Sean... Well, Sean's mentality is, like, promoters will offer fights to his guys, like, yeah, whatever, doesn't care, doesn't research them. said, if you want to be a fighter, you got to fight. And that's his mentality. But thankfully with Zachary, because Zachary is the only team that's on his squad and kind of a project for Sean. He's he's being a little bit more methodical and slow, and he's making sure Zach's ready, which as a parent, of course, we're very happy he's doing this. So, But he was, Sean was talking to me the other day, and he's he's looking now for Zach to do, the, to do a fight. So when the right opponent comes, Zach is going to get a fight, I guess. And right, we're gonna be nervous. A lot of MMA guys have the bulk of their career, the bulk of their success, late in their twenties and into their thirties. So you got lots of time. Yeah, I know. It's... Yep. No, no reason to rush. Yeah. Um, uh, could I tell a story about the first day I was at? Um, I met Sean. Absolutely, please do. Actually, okay. So uh, I was. I'm always super nervous when I go to a first my first time in a gym as I believe everybody would be but so I was nervous and I meet Sean and I guess a nice way to put his personality is he's rough around the edges so my first lesson with him I get there he's like are you nervous I'm like yes he's like well that's good means you care so I was like okay he he's he's interesting okay so we start off and it's kickboxing sparring right off the bat and I think I ate three liver shots that dropped me and he's like it was like I'm pretty sure it was a test to see like are you gonna get up are you gonna keep fighting and after I got up after all those liver shots I got up and I'm like okay I'm still gonna fight I have to prove myself against him he started doing leg kicks, and my leg was, like, purple after that. But at the second lesson, it wasn't like that. I believe that was a test, but it's great. Sean is a very good coach. I appreciate it a lot. So the whole point was to see if you were going to stick with it, huh? Yeah, it was a test. It, I think it was a test to see if I had heart to keep going, and it was... I guess I passed it because I'm still going and I love it to this day. 
Right. Uh, you came last time you were down. I wrist locked you while we were rolling. And it was interesting because you got up and looked at your dad and it was like, you just got a new Christmas present or something. You're like, I got wrist locked. (laughs) Yeah. I believe it was the first time you've wrist locked me. Well, you got to appreciate it. Like, wow, I never been caught in something like that. You can't be like, Oh man, that sucked. You got to have a happy, my point of view. And well, I guess I was excited about getting wrist locked out there. Yeah, that's that's unique, and it is the right attitude that you need to to progress in this sport. Ryan, is that something that he came to MMA with, or is that something he's developed through jujitsu and MMA? Zach, as a young a younger person, definitely was not good at losing. He didn't know how to lose. If we were playing a board game and he lost, he'd just get mad and storm off. Through jiu-jitsu, when he discovered jiu-jitsu and in turn kickboxing and MMA, Zach, has, his whole personality has changed for the better. Through, through martial arts and jiu-jitsu and kickboxing, Zach has learned humility because, of course, there's always going to be someone bigger, badder than you. You're going to lose. And if you aren't losing, you aren't testing yourself. And Zach's all about testing. So it, a big part of his growth has been learning to lose accepting it and like you say laugh it off like hey i never got caught in that before and then adds it to his game or corrects it and he just grows from it instead of dwelling on i can't believe i lost or i can't believe he caught me he's used it and again it spun off into his who he is now like off off the mats out of the cage he just takes everything in stride everything is he like he really enjoys life, and it doesn't matter what it throws at him. He's like, eh, and just water off his back and moves on and moves forward. It's it's really helped him grow into who he's becoming as a young man, and it's been excellent. Yeah. So for all the families that are listening, sign your kids up. Yes, definitely. Um, you know how some people say about jujitsu changed their life. I believe it gave purpose to my life. Like my dad said, uh, I couldn't lose before. Uh, I started, and I was like, I would have no direction. I just played video games like many kids, just played video games. And I believe jiu-jitsu has really helped me in a lot of ways because it's helped me with just having purpose. Nice. It's great. And another thing with what martial arts have done for Zachary as well, it's taught him a healthy lifestyle. He's so dedicated to his self-improvement right from breakfast. He, he eats oats he's like, from diet. It's incredibly important to him. Like you said, like he trains 22 hours a week, and it's only because we don't allow him to train more because he understands now he has to have rest days. If we're on holidays, he's the first guy in the gym at the hotel just to work out and he's like oh i ate horrible on the way down here i i gotta work that off it's created a real healthy lifestyle for him and in turn it's been excellent to like zachary's always been an old soul in a young body he's never really related to his peer class of like their thought process and that so he's found the majority of his friends within the martial arts world even though they're older he relates to their thought process, their lifestyles, and it's been excellent for him. Like it's, we've been very thankful for that. 
he's not your usual teen, that's for sure. He's been a real pleasure to raise. Right. I, I think the diversity of the people that you are in contact with is one of the things that's great about jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I'm in the opposite position. I'm 50, and most of my best friends are in their 20s because jujitsu is the biggest part of my life. And so, um, and it's an interesting dynamic when an 18 year old is giving me a lesson. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the opposite of what you're in. But, and, and I mentioned this to you last time we talked that, uh, Zach, you're going to be in that position soon where you're going to be 18, 19 years old and you're going to be so experienced and so skilled in this arena that you'll be coaching guys that are 30 and 35. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, jujitsu isn't a, on, it's not on age. It's on skill, so it's if you put in the time, you should be able to help the people you're training with. Awesome. Before we forget, I want to talk, I want to end the conversation talking about some of your more recent um, tournaments, but before we get to that, you mentioned that you were dyslexic, and everybody has different uh, learning styles. Uh, You're not the only person that has um, obstacles in their way. So I'd be curious if you'd be willing to share with the audience a little bit about your learning style, what works for you, what helps you to learn. Um, well, actually, I, I, I'm I very a hands-on learner because, well, my dyslexia, it helps to see the move and, like, get put in the move. So when I'm the partner with the coach when they're showing the moves, that helps a lot because it, it gets to it gets to show you that what it's like to be in the move and then you get to be then you get to do the move so you get to see both sides and you kind of piece it together um so it helps a lot for me to drill lots and to be the partner with the coach when they're showing it showing the move so it's difficult if i say put your right hand here and put your left hand here oh yeah well with my dyslexia you know you're like right and left gets mixed up, up and down and all that. So if you were to tell me like in a tournament, you got to put your base out with your right leg, I'd do it with my left leg and they'd be like, your other right. And it's it's very difficult to like use verbal commands, I'd say with me because I'm a hands-on learner with my dyslexia. And so sometimes you just got to speak up as someone's explaining a move to you and just politely say, can you show me? Yes, definitely that. That is, that would be what I would do in that. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I would suggest for anybody else that uh, is having a hard time catching on with just verbal explanations. Is do do the move on me. Let me mm-hmm. see what it feels like. Yeah, that's a big part of my game to learn. Awesome. Which we've been very thankful with Zachary's learning curve. Of course, jujitsu, as anyone knows that's in it, is a very difficult sport to to learn. Just just to learn, it's because it is very detailed orientated and stuff like that but when you have that extra hurdle it takes special coaches to understand that and to work around each student's needs it's actually been very fortunate his first coach and current coach mike forrester from yorkton martial arts really understood zach's needs and was and catered to them and found a way to coach around it like zach's first year the foundation building year it was very difficult and it was a very slow, slow process. Thankfully, York to Martial Arts is a very tiny gym. Like at times, it would be just Zachary and his coach or one other student because Yorkton's a tiny little town. Well, I guess city, but it's only 19,000 people. 
And that's, of course, the enrollment is small, which helps Acme in the sense that he got a lot of one-on-one teaching, especially in that big first year to build his foundation. Like he's, like he mentioned, Mike would always be like, you're other right, you're other right. Yeah. And that, so Zach had originally tried to learn jiu-jitsu, doing all the proper stuff, that, and eventually it got to the point that, you know what, Zach, what, you you do jiu-jitsu Zach, Zach's way. And just, he, there is no set way, as we discovered with jiu-jitsu. There's definitely set no one moves and stuff and techniques, but jujitsu can be a personal thing. And that Zach's made it his, yeah. Zach has Zach jujitsu <laughs> and nice. he's made it work. And then when we went to Regina, of course, his coach, Sean Quinn was made aware of Zach's different learning process. And Sean's, he's like, I don't care, whatever. Well, whatever he's got, we'll make him good at what he does. So, Zach's style is not the fancy sport jiu-jitsu that you would see at IBJJF or like the higher tournaments where they're doing the beautiful roll-unders and like it, it's yeah. beautiful to watch. Wow. Zach is more of a grinding kind of style. Like Sean, Sean Quinn, the MMA coach, has really helped in that sense. Like Zach, you're never going to be doing the roll-unders to back takes and that. You're more of a bulldozer type style. So we're just going to teach you how to be a real good bulldozer. And didn't uh, you do a year's worth of high school wrestling this year? Actually, yes, I did. I have a story from the first, um, the first, actually first week of wrestling. Um, I actually started wrestling before jujitsu. And I broke my wrist in the first week. And then when I healed, I'm like, well, I love competition. I got to start jiu-jitsu. But yes. Um, I also, I got to nationals twice, two years um, with wrestling. And I have used a jiu-jitsu style in wrestling. I've been, like, I got triangles from the back and pinned people with that. And nobody... Everyone's like, what is this new wrestling style? Well, it's jujitsu. That's what it is. Um, yes, so I have not been a real wrestling style. I've been using jujitsu in it. And I've, got, I've gotten pretty good success. Well, obviously, when I get to like the top tier, like top few people, they out-wrestle me because it's wrestling, not jujitsu. But I've had great success with that. That's funny because I I was going to go the direction of I thought the wrestling would really influence your jiu-jitsu since you were an MMA guy. So it's interesting to hear that you're using triangles to pin people. I'm trying to actually envision. Next time we're in the gym, you'll have to show me that. I'm trying to envision how you use that in a wrestling match. Yeah, it's been great. Jiu-jitsu, he joined wrestling originally because he was having some issues at school with some of the hockey kids and that. So he thought wrestling might be a way to to find his strengths and is to be able to defend himself. And of course, like he mentioned, he broke himself right away the first week. So he, that went, so of course that was the end of his wrestling first year. So that's when he discovered jujitsu after that, just as a, basically to help his wrestling. Cause he knew he liked wrestling. So it was the next year he joined wrestling again, cause he was healed up and he had jujitsu, some jujitsu skills at this point. And the wrestling program at the high school is not like your typical wrestling program that you'd find throughout the States where you got wrestling is very important, especially throughout the States in a lot of high schools. You have some really high level programs. Right. 
our program at his little high school. It was basically as a volunteer coach program. So he learned how to do cross faces and jumping jacks. That was his program. They did like an hour after school, twice a week, I think it was. So it was, there was no real fundamentals there. So when Zach went out against these, the city kids, which of course had the benefit of a proper wrestling program, he didn't know what they're doing, but he did know jujitsu. And yeah, he would do crazy mounted triangles and roll over and he, like, he wasn't using his hands. He had the kids all tied up his legs, was pinning them, and the other coaches were like, what's going on? Yeah. He put some kids to sleep with head and arms. And <laughs> he was excited, but, of course, all the wrestling parents were mortified. But he's found great success, and he always places high in the province. He'll be second at regionals like last year, and I think he ended up fourth in the province. And I was just using jiu-jitsu with no other wrestling training because it's a great grappling sport. How many more years of high school do you have, Zach? Well, I'm in grade 11 right now, so I have the rest of this year and grade 12. So so one more wrestling season if you choose yeah, to do it. Awesome. Yeah, I will. Awesome. Okay. Tell, tell me about, before we go, you've done a couple of fight to win tournaments and you've traveled to Vegas and California. Yeah. So t- tell me a little bit about some of your more recent tournaments, uh, how you've done and, and importantly, what you've learned from some of them. Um, well, I'll start off with um, the first fight to win I was at, and that was in uh, New Orleans here, and I was with the team from La Rose, which I'm very happy that they allowed me to fight underneath them, under their banner. Um, but I got out there, I was feeling good, and you get onto the big stage, all the lights, I was so nervous, it felt like my feet were in mud. And I didn't have the best performance, but I learned lots that you need to be calm at all times. And in my second fight to win, uh, I was a lot uh, calmer. I've been through all of the, like, the program, how they had it running and everything. And I, did, I saw it in my opponent's eyes that he was just as nervous as I was in that first match. So I knew I had the advantage there, and I shot for a takedown. I took him down, and I ground him out and got the win. Um, And I guess uh, a lesson there is that you need to always learn from your experiences. Like, you got to learn how to deal with the nerves of the big stage and everything. Tell tell me about your... um pre-fight process to deal with those nerves and and has it changed over the course of the fights obviously you are much less nervous the second one um what's the thought process in your head to deal with the adrenaline dump um actually when i was in (coughs) vegas the first time uh i definitely had a wrong process of thinking there i would get so angry because i thought well if you're angry you're gonna fight better but that just made the adrenaline dump way worse. So my process has changed there when you gotta just breathe and be calm and do stretches to like calm yourself and everything. Instead of getting yourself super hyped up and then you get on the on the stage where you're competing and you're like, oh, good for the first half because you're so angry and then you just gas out from the adrenaline and everything, it's horrible. So you just gotta be calm and you just got to breathe and just relax because you roll better when you're relaxed. 
Yeah, there's a term for that. It's called the optimum state of arousal. <laughs> and you think about like uh, football linemen. They have to be fairly pumped up because it's a short burst. And if you're not aroused yeah. enough, so to speak, you don't have enough adrenaline flowing, yeah. you're not going to perform well. If you have too much, you're it not going to be able to focus. So yeah. that's what you're talking about yeah. there. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of martial artists make. You think it's a fight, so the more aggressive I am, the better I'll do. And to get aggressive, I get mad, I get hyped up. Yeah. So you have to find just the right level of that. That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah and in the, my next one, next time in Vegas and in uh, California the next two times, I guess I was at that optimum point. And I found a way into the podium on all of them. I it's just it's just I think my style. I have a style of never giving up and always trying to just grind them out and just like outwork them, you know, like a calm, like just constant forward progression. And sometimes you, I feel my opponents, you know, just give up. You know, you feel that when they're getting outworked, they just want to weigh out. So being super angry definitely wouldn't help me in that using of my skills. No, that's definitely a wrestler's mindset, though. I've heard a lot of uh, adults that had successful collegiate or Olympic careers, and, and they'll make comments like, I live for the moment I feel my opponent break, you know, and that's, you get that grind and that grind and that grind and eventually I'm done. Well, Zachary's been very fortunate in his career that he's faced some of the best in the world at his age bracket, which is a real privilege as a competitor just to be able to share that mat time with them. And he knows with his three years of experience and where he's trained, they aren't world renowned gyms or coaches or training partners that on paper, all his opponents have eight, 10 years more experience under very named gyms and training partners and coaches. So he knows on paper, he shouldn't even be sharing this time. But in the end, everyone's just people. And Zach's mindset is he's not afraid to lose. So he's not worried about that. And he just knows he's good at what he does. And like he said, he doesn't care what their resume is. Every day is a new day, and he goes out there, and it always impresses us as parents. I know myself, I'd be nervous knowing this this opponent is four-time world champion, hasn't lost, and that, and Zach's like, whatever, and goes out there, takes him down, and like he said, he finds ways to break his opponent just by basically not allowing them to do what they want. It's That's been his game, and that's been really brought out from his coach, Sean Quinn, yes. is... If they want to do this, you don't let them because obviously they want to. You never let them be happy. You never let them be comfortable. And that's been Zach's style. And like I say, it may not be the most beautiful style to watch, but it's Zachary and he's made it his style. And it's been very, very effective. And he's cut the line in the competitive world. And he's definitely one of the top because he's earned it. And we're very proud of him. Nice. So, So what's next for you guys on the competitive circuit? Um, well, actually, I have a wrestling tournament when we get back home. Is this independent of school? It's just like an independent wrestling tournament? No, it's through the school. It's through the school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, obviously, through the new year, I'm going to keep training, just training, training, training. And I'm going to do every tournament, every weight class, every division I can, because I'll 
you got to get the experience to get better. And I'm just going to keep grinding. That's my goal for for the new year. Awesome. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. Before we go, Zach, are there people that you'd like to give a shout out to? Anybody you want to thank? Yes. Um, I would like to first thank um, my coaches, um, Sean Quinn, Mike Forrester, and Buddy Kiff from La Rose, which is, I appreciate him letting me in his gym. And I appreciate Mike um, teaching me the fundamentals of jiu-jitsu. And I appreciate Sean uh, showing me to never give up. Um, and I would like to thank all of everyone I've ever trained with, my training partners, because there's no way you could progress in jiu-jitsu without training partners. And I also like to thank my sponsor, Troy from No Judges Needed, from always sending me awesome gear, very high quality gear, and uh, I guess showing me that I deserve to be sponsored, which is pretty awesome. I really appreciate that. How long have they been sponsoring you? Um, I guess a year, I'd say. And nice. I'd like to thank you, Joe, as well, for letting me be on this podcast. I of course. I-, I love this story. I love the way your family works together. And I would like to thank my parents as well for being my taxi in my dad's words. I appreciate it a lot. And they always support me. You know, when you first started training down here with us, I can't count how many times you left and people would say, man, does that kid know how lucky he is? Yes. (laughs) I, I would like to say that I, I know how lucky I am because I know a lot of parents would not do what my parents have done for me drive me everywhere give me the best opportunities i very much appreciate it well you know joe we put eighty thousand kilom or pardon me eighty thousand miles on our vehicle every year for the sake of zachary to train and compete and yeah a lot of parents wouldn't do it but there isn't a single time we that we hop in the car after training or a tournament that zach doesn't say thank you guys every single time so it's really easy to do it when you know your kid appreciates it and that it's, it's he's going in the direction he wants so of course you're going to help him but he's always always thanked us and appreciated what we've done so it's easy yeah you guys have a great family dynamic so uh zach if anybody wants to follow you and keep up with you what's the best way to do that um i have an instagram page which is um the road warrior one and it's the road warrior because obviously the amount of miles we put on the car. Um, and I post, I try to post every day, which sometimes you can't, but every day I train, I have a post up saying where I was training, what we were doing. And it's good if you want to see my path through martial arts, it's a great way to watch it. That's great. And we'll have, uh, for the listeners, if you look at the bottom of the show notes, we'll have a link to Zach's Instagram and you can. Uh, like him and keep up with him that way so zach i appreciate you coming yes, thank on thank you very much ryan thanks for coming thank you, on Joe. and a real uh, privilege. i'm looking forward to seeing that uh triangle pin yeah next time we're on the mat <laughs> so all right thanks guys thank you okay guys so that was our interview for this week and uh, i had a really good time talking to zach and uh, his dad ryan if you get a chance uh look zach up on uh, instagram and uh follow him there and there's good things to come yeah, that's fun having them on the show. Uh, Joe, I was impressed with your interview. It's it's a different skill to interview versus just kind of bent around here on the show, but you did great. I'm impressed, and and I look forward to, to doing more of that 
in uh, bringing this content to the audience? Well, I have listened to 224 <laughs> episodes of the BJJ Brick, so I guess I could you could say I've learned from the best. Man. And then you got Gary beat by about 222, maybe. <laughs> 224, Byron. <laughs> I'll give you the benefit of that on a couple of them. Oh, thank you. Uh, but, you know, so different type of a show this week or this episode, this bonus one here. We had the tip. I think it'd be fun to do a Q&A session here. If you have a question that you would like us to answer in this format, send it to bjjbrick at gmail.com. We'll be happy to throw it on the pile. Uh, this first one here that we have is about an uncooperative teammate. I, I guess, uh, let me reset that. Uncooperative teammates. It's a bit of a longer question. Uh, uh, this listener is from Croatia, a small town. It trains with about 15 people and appears that... I don't think Croatia is a small town, Byron. A small town. Let's say small town of Croatia. <laughs> in Croatia. In Croatia. Trains okay. in a small town in Croatia. So this question here, it's a bit long. I'm going to boil it down uh, to some of the facts. He's a new blue belt. And most of his training partners, there's about 15 of them, they're big people, uh, big guys. And... He's having a hard time getting any lighter roles in. It's, it seems like they're all death matches. They agree to go light, and uh, and then they, you know within a few seconds or a minute or so, it becomes a death match. Do you have any hints in, in getting the people to to roll a little lighter, and uh, you know of course helping reduce injuries and, and trying to learn uh, while you're rolling and you know not just have all the the big death matches that he's getting into. Any advice that you guys have for? Uh, getting your teammates to kind of roll at a different pace than they're used to? Well, I think, first of all, I would suggest uh, direct communication. And maybe he's already tried that, maybe not. But uh, uh, the, the first step is to just say, look, I'm getting crushed here. I, I don't know if either one of us is really getting much out of it. And um, go from there. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, a, a lot of times... Uh, you may be doing something that you don't realize that is forcing people to go a little bit harder, maybe with some direct communication, you know, saying, hey, like Joe said, I'm not really getting much out of this. Uh, you know, I'm just getting smashed. I don't think you're getting a lot out of it. You know, let's slow down a little bit. Let's, uh, you know, switch positions. Let's, you know, just flow. Um, but then maybe if that if you're direct with that person, maybe that person will come back and say, hey, you know, I was trying to do that, but uh you know, every time I do that, you, you know, grab a Kimura and, and yank on as hard as I can to get the tap. Um, you know, who knows? Uh, that could be an issue, too. Something happened that way. And, uh, you know, but direct communication is the way that, uh, you know, everybody's going to be on the same page. And if you, you know, I, I, what would you say if you're rolling and you guys have had that communication and, you know, I'm the guy getting smashed and I, I started the communication and, you know, as I'm rolling... I feel you turn it up, Joe. Like, what should I do in that point if I feel it? Like, talk again, or should I try to turn it up myself? And let me back up just a minute, because you said something okay. that I thought was pretty good. You said that, uh, you know, maybe the guy, he's trying to go light, but you keep yanking a Kimura. And, and maybe part of the uh, deal here is to examine your own actions on the mat. Maybe you're frustrated because he keeps... Uh, uh, smashing you, but like you said, Gary, maybe you're yanking on the Kimura and you're ripping his arm off every time. So there might be a, a need for a little self-reflection here as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and not that we're saying you're doing that, but uh, self-reflection is always good. Maybe there is something, 
you know, I'm doing. Um, you know, I know Byron has talked about, uh, you know, getting hit, you know, numerous times with knees while you're rolling. Somebody who's uh, doesn't have the greatest control and, you know, you get hit by the knees and, you know, sooner or later you're just like you either turn it up a little bit or or you just don't roll with that person. But, uh, you know, self-reflection, direct communication, um, I think is the way to go. Yeah, and another thing uh, someone might try in this situation is to say, I'm really trying to work on my closed guard. Can we start in the closed guard? And when you pass my guard and secure uh, side control, if that's what happens, then we'll start back in the guard. And if I sweep you, then we'll start back in the guard. And then if you want to work on your guard, we can switch positions. And, and that way you're you're not allowing a situation to occur where you're just getting crushed. Yeah, another good point. And, you know, even maybe even asking the instructor, um, hey, you know, I know I'm getting out there and I'm just getting smashed by everybody and every, it turns into a death match every single role I have. Am I doing something wrong? Is there something, you know, that, that you see? You know, normally an instructor, you know, has the feel of the whole class, uh, knows what people are thinking, knows people what people are saying. Plus, he or she is watching and, uh, you know, sees what's going on. So, you know, maybe that person uh, could give you a little bit of advice too. Good point. That's a good one, Gary. And that, that does come back. Uh, you know, two guys rolling, one's trying to go a little slower, and the other one's out for blood. <laughs> Uh, the instructor stopping by, hey, slow down there, Joe, you know, Gary said to go light. Uh, or, or just, hey, Joe, slow down, you know, no need to go that hard. It, it, coming from the outside source, it's not like Gary's looking for the excuse or looking for the, you know, a change, but the instructor sees it. Okay, this guy's going crazy, and the other guy's trying to be relaxed. That's a great thing to do as an instructor, to come by and intervene a little bit. It's, and it's a different thing. It's not as a, it's not an excuse or it's not something like that you might feel might be kind of weak. Somebody else is saying it for you, and I think there's value in that. So maybe get your coach on board as far as, hey, I don't want all my matches to be death matches. I don't think I'm learning that much uh, when I go too hard. But sometimes the people, you know, maybe this guy in particular is just trying to murder me when I go slow, uh, you know, and, and just let them be aware of the situation. If they want to say something about it, that would be great too. But, um, you know, it's hard to tell somebody how to coach. <laughs> maybe yeah, not yeah. wise either. Yeah. And if none of those work, Gifts work well. Um, you know, give the person a gift. You know, maybe something like uh, Byron's audiobook. You know, your first year in BJJ. You know, it's like we said before, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And uh, you know, if you do that, maybe uh, somebody will be a little bit nicer to you. Gary, I know you're kind of halfway joking, but uh, that reminds me of what do they call it? The compliment sandwich. Where you yeah. make a compliment, make a suggestion, and then make a compliment again. And that's actually a really good tactic in this uh, scenario. You could say to the guy. Your guard passes are great, man, and and I really like what you're doing here. But when you get to side control, I'm just getting crushed. You got great side control pressure. You're doing really good, but uh, maybe we can lighten up a little bit so we can both get uh, a little more out of the role. Yeah, and, you know, even, hey, you know, I, I love your pressure and I love your guard passing. You know, hey, can you show that some of, the, some of that to me while we're rolling? You know, and uh, maybe they'll let up a little bit and let you uh, work your passes and, uh, you know, just compliment them. Hey, I learned so much from you today. I really appreciate all you've taught me. Thank you very much. Perfect. Man, that's good stuff, guys. And, uh, you know, send in your questions. I don't need, like, a page of question. Uh, a couple of sentences that let us know who you are, uh, kind of your situation, and, and, and how we could help. And be happy to bat these around. Uh, kind of fun. Definitely fun. Yeah, that's good. That's good, man. Uh, just like any episode, we always say check us out on social media. We've got lots of stuff there. Uh, this will be on there as well. And 
and uh, Facebook, YouTube are, are probably our two bigger ones that we have. Uh, stand by a couple of days. We'll put out the regular episode of the BJ Brick Podcast. Enjoy the week of, of two episodes, my friends. Stay sweaty, my friends. Don't forget to shower. And hey, train hard, train smart, and get better, and we'll see you on the mats, man. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We'll be right back.